Hi, we're Grace and Clara, here to shake up the world of women's health. We know firsthand how intimidating it can be to speak up when it comes to issues like your menstrual cycle or menopause. That's why we created Unprocessed, a weekly podcast where we dive into every aspect of women's health, from mental well-being to physical nutrition. We're here to ask the burning questions and encourage us all to advocate for ourselves. So get ready for some smart, cheeky and witty discussions about all things women's health. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. You have Grace and Clara in your ears and today we have invited filmmaker Tina McManus into the studio to discuss the misunderstandings of miscarriage. But first, Clara, you've had an interesting week since we jumped on the podcast last. Yeah, so for those who have been listening along, um, I obviously spoke about endometriosis way back in the beginning of the podcast since last week, (laughs) back into the last week. I've actually finally had the surgery and it's been interesting. It's been an interesting journey. They did find it. I had stage three, ended up being quite severe on the left side. and, And, you know, it's one of those things where it just explained so much. So I've always had more pain on my left side. The last time I spoke to my doctor was at 7.30 the morning after the operation in hospital and I was still pretty out of it, I've got to say. He said that he found stage three and I was very severe on the left side but also, you know, quite bad on the right. My uterus was actually stuck down to my back wall. Yeah, when I first spoke to everyone, I said, um, you know, one of the reasons that they believed I had it is because a doctor had tried to put a camera up to test to see what was going wrong. It ended up like he said it was like really hard to move through and he couldn't push it through and it was really stuck. And so my doctor then said to me, oh, that explains it because there was absolutely no movement in your uterus whatsoever you were totally stuck down to the back wall and then on the left side as well he found which I didn't even know was part of endometriosis again this is one of those things right like there's so many things that it goes along with it that you just don't know so I ended up having a small egg sized nodule removed from my left side as well so and he said that was quite tricky because he had to get around organs (laughs) this has now cleared it all out so i I believe from what he said to me, I might get some relief from the pain. Amazing. But he said probably not the next period, probably the period following. I don't really know where to go from here. So is there a treatment or will it grow back? That's the thing. So I don't know if it is going to grow back. When we spoke to Ellie, Ellie was, you know, she obviously had multiple surgeries and then there was Mm. more scarring. So no, I don't know if it's going to grow back. I'm now going to start researching and I'd love, love for our audience or anyone that's going through endometriosis to reach out to us and give advice you know how else can I I guess nurture my body through this I was joking with John that actually I found this surgery harder than in recovery than when I had Kinsley and I had her by c-section how do you feel about this not knowing what are the next steps to take where's your mindset at I'm really grateful I have an answer I'm 42 now, so I was kind of told realistically at about 40 by, you know, he was a very well-knowledged, very well-respected doctor who had told me, yeah, I think you've got stage three because of the camera issue. He was like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think you've got stage three. All my experience tells me you've got stage three, but I can't confirm it because we didn't have that surgery. So now I feel like, right, I have an answer. I have an answer for everything that I've been feeling since I was 15. And I think having that knowledge is power for me now but 
I'm in that stage of realistically, where does this land me? Mm. I don't know how successful the surgery is going to be in management pain. I'm concerned about Kinsley now knowing that it's hereditary. I don't want her to go through. So I know that there's been a lot of changes recently with um, a diagnosis of endometriosis, which I'm exceptionally thankful for. And I'm hoping in the next 15 years that that advances significantly. But yeah, I don't know. I'm a bit in limbo. I'm such a forward planner. So if I don't have the answers to make a plan, that gives me a bit of anxiety. But I want to know what my life looks like and where my health is at. So I can totally empathize with you. Yeah, it's just, and that's exactly what it is. Like I'm such a planner. So for me, getting a diagnosis is like stage one of the plan. I know what I'm going to do. But yeah, for me, I think it's early days. So I will keep checking in with you guys and tell you what else is happening and tell you how I'm going and also what's helping. Hey, it's Grace here. Just want to quickly interrupt the episode to say it's time to start nourishing you. Join the eight-week program and get eight weeks of easy, delicious meal plans with full shopping lists. And at $5.50 or under per serve, it couldn't be more affordable to eat healthy. Each week, we'll give you a range of meals to cook that are quick and easy to prepare with minimal waste. You don't have to be a master chef to enjoy these nutritious meals. Plus fun online workouts, mentoring from industry experts, and access to our exclusive sleep school. Spots are limited. Join now. Now let's get back into the episode. I'm really looking forward to this next guest, Tahina McManus. Obviously, I just spoke about and I have been speaking about, um, I guess, the upside of pregnancy quite a lot. So I've been speaking about me having Kinsley uh, and how hard it was for me to have Kinsley. But Tahina McManus is a woman that I find so inspirational and so brave. So for those who haven't seen her, uh, her documentary, which is now across quite a few of the streaming channels, so look it up, Mum. It is absolutely brilliant. It dives into miscarriage and one. it's obviously her journey through um, she has a miscarriage during actually filming Mum, which is just mm-hmm. heartbreaking to watch, but so brave to be able to pick up a camera and to document this because it's something that really largely goes unspoken about. I found this such a, an inspirational chat, but also something that, you know, I've, I've faced, you know, friends who have gone through miscarriages and I've not known how to support them. Having this conversation is just so important. It's not only about breaking down the misunderstandings around miscarriage, but also she interviews medical experts so we can understand the perspective of the doctor, but also the perspective of the people starting their families. But what I also love about this documentary is I haven't had kids yet and for some reason I have this fear in the back of my mind. I'm worried because one in four women have experienced this. But after talking to her and watching this documentary, it gives me comfort that whatever the future may hold, there will be a beautiful network of support around me. She has built an incredible platform and the louder we speak about this topic, the less taboo it will be. Trigger warning, this conversation mentions topics around miscarriage and mental health. If these topics are triggering, please reach out to Beyond Blue on 1300 224636 or SANS on 1300 308 307. We will also add links to these organisations as well as Pink Elephant in the show notes below. Tahina, thank you for joining us on the podcast today. Let's dive into the chat. Your documentary mum was a brave undertaking. What drove you to start documenting and then sharing your story? Um, The biggest driving factor for me at the time was that 
there was no um, accessible information. And I started to record my experience because I thought, well, if I'm feeling all these things, perhaps I can use it as a resource if my friends start to go through this or basically because I just didn't see anything out there that was yeah, easily accessible. So it started from a really small place where I thought maybe I could edit a few little things together on YouTube about what I was going through and I could refer a friend or someone I know or perhaps jump on like one of the, I, I mean, I, I stalked so many of those um, Facebook chats and I thought maybe I could just refer someone to yeah. this. Yeah. Um, but naturally it, it just continued to build and build and build and, and I saw a real need for something bigger and um, louder and I was very fortunate that my producing partner who I worked with at the time was very supportive in me exploring the idea and mm-hmm. yeah it, it turned into what it is. <laughs> I'm going to be honest the thought of miscarriage has always been a fear of mine when I've thought about starting a family and pregnancy but watching your documentary and hearing the stories of the other women it gave me a sense of comfort and it was actually so empowering to listen to. Oh that's really nice to hear because that was part I mean you know a part of me was also really scared because I know it can be triggering for for women Um, but I you know I'm very proud of the final product in a sense of I think it is a story of resilience and hope and strength and and you know, yes, there are, it's a tough topic, but if we're not aware of this and, and, and understanding, you know, I guess the biomechanics of it all, um, it's very easy to go into like a little sort of isolated place and go all dark and in your own head. So I, I thank you for saying that because it, it was a fear of mine that perhaps it was really triggering for women, but the, the overall message has been really positive. You actually recount a moment from one of your appointments where you've just experienced a miscarriage and the doctor says to you, take some Panadol. That is so heartbreaking to watch. And I was wondering, how can our medical industry be more compassionate to women experiencing this? The biggest thing that I, I wanted to sort of explore was was that idea. And that's why I, I really wanted to speak to medical professionals to sort of get their opinion on it as well. And, you know, we were really lucky to chat with the team at um, Virtus Health and, and their sort of um, their doctors and their team and, and what they're trying to do and what they're trying to implement with their staff because when I sat down with the doctors and they were like, you know, we look at it as a group of cells and we look at it through very, you know, it's a very methodically medical Mm. kind of um, stacking of of a system. We look at it as our family, our baby, our future plans. There's just like this polar kind of opposite ways of thinking about it. So I feel Mm. like if patients were to gain a little bit more understanding from where the medical professionals were coming from. But also the bigger part is that the medical professionals really understand where women and families are coming from. So they understand that for them, it's not mm. just a group of cells. It is a family family planning. It is things that you dream about. It is things you talk about. It is, is things you celebrate. Um, so it, the, the grief can be really raw and really um, awful to feel. So I think it was very important for me to show both perspectives and I do see a shift since the film has come out I I really have noticed a shift Um, but all of that is you know collectively the voices of you know people like yourselves and sort of standing up and saying hey you know maybe we should recognize this a little bit more. I've had friends who had experienced miscarriages and I really related when you mentioned you isolated yourself. I felt during that time that they were removing themselves And I just didn't know how to reach out or how to even offer support. 
it can just be such a really private moment. As a friend and loved one, how do you feel that we can help more? What, I, what I've come to learn is that, and, and certainly through my own experience, is that acknowledging, acknowledging that whatever the person or family that experiencing the loss is going through mm. is acknowledging their pain, acknowledging their loss. And it doesn't have to yeah. be a grand gesture of, you know, trying to solve solutions, but like give them solutions, but certainly saying, you know, as if, you know, anyone else had lost a family member. I'm, I'm so sorry for your loss. I know this is such a difficult time. Is there mm. anything I can do for you? It just even acknowledging that small amount yeah. is, is enough that that whoever's experiencing it feels validated because I think that was a big part of what I was going through because I was like, why am I feeling so devastated about this yeah. but everyone else seems to keep going? Am I the one that's messed up in it? Mm. So, yeah, it's just a, it's just a small acknowledgement. Um, it doesn't have to be solution-based. It's just acknowledging that I see you hurting. How can I help? How do we break down the misconception of how long you should grieve a miscarriage? Yeah, it's, it's interesting you bring that up because um, I've worked closely with the Pink Elephant Support Network, especially in regards to the early release of the film. And just last year, they released their At Least campaign. And it was this whole idea of like, you know, us mm-hmm. trying to sweep under the rug and this sort of hierarchy of grief of like, well, at least it was only five weeks. At least you can fall pregnant. At least, you know, whatever the, you know, whatever the thing is. Mm-hmm. And um, they've been really trying, yeah. striving to sort of change that language because um, like I said, it's, it's goes far deeper than, um, and especially for people who have been trying and planning for a while, you know, um, it's a projection of, of your yeah. future. So again, um, the hierarchy of grief is really interesting and it's not to discount anyone who has gone through, you know, later term loss or anything like that. But, uh, but really in the, the big whole picture, um, a loss is a loss. And, and if you're invested, as soon as you see that positive test, it hurts just as much as it, as it would weeks mm-hmm. later, months later, it hurts. Um, so I just think again, acknowledging yeah. that process. Um, and it's different for everyone. I'm not saying this is everyone's experience, but I think if we're as a society a little bit more aware that, um, you know, it, it feels very real and it, and it, um, it can manifest in, in different ways for people. Um, you know, my, all my losses were, were still quite early, I suppose, but it, it didn't discount the fact that I was really mm-hmm. hurt by it. I've had friends who have experienced this and they say to me, what's wrong with my body? Is my body broken? And in those moments, what can I say to them when they're having these thoughts? Gosh, yeah, uh, it's not your fault. It really isn't. It's not anything you can control. If you had the power to control, of course you would. And I think that's the biggest message is that, I, you know, I went through so much self-blame and so much self-loathing during that time thinking something was wrong with me. I know my partner had the same feelings and, you know, recognizing that it isn't your fault. And I was still very young when I felt, when I went through my miscarriage. So even this idea, and I, I hate what I'm noticing now as I get older, this, this pressure for women 35 and beyond I've got to have kids I've got to have kids or, mm. or the, the blame of like why did I choose this why am I going and, and I just think just take that pressure off it's 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 not you it's it you know unfortunately you know biologically your body does certain things but you know I've seen miracles happen I've seen you know I've seen young people I was 28 you know like it and you know typically nothing wrong so mm. um take that blame and that pressure off yourself and know that if you could control the outcome I know you would During the documentary, you experienced a miscarriage whilst working. Oh my goodness, my heart broke for you when I saw that. I know currently in a lot of industries, you can't take compassionate leave, only sick leave for a miscarriage. 
How do you think we need to change workplace laws for those experiencing a miscarriage? Well, again, I think it's all information and education. I know some companies, um, well, I work closely with MNC Saatchi, have put in bereavement leave for someone who's experiencing miscarriage. Thanks to the pink elephants, there's been legislative change within New South Wales about bereavement leave. But, yeah, I, I really do believe that the more we collectively talk about it as a society, the more that, um, yeah. that again, it, 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 the trickle effect will, will happen. I do think a big part of it is education, um, information and, you know, just continually talking about it, opening the conversation, you know, rallying behind groups like Bears of Hope, Pink, of it, Pink Elephant Sands, who are doing everything they can to make those yeah. voices be heard. During the documentary, when you finally fell pregnant and you decided that you were going to share it on Instagram and you said, I feel like I'm jinxing it. I knew exactly how you felt. That's how I felt my entire pregnancy. I just thought if I told someone, something was going to go wrong and I just didn't want to talk about it. I didn't even end up sharing it on social media. I kept it as a really private thing. And it's something that my partner and I actually almost regret now. But I saw you do it and I thought that it was just so brave. What was the difference you were going through during that pregnancy? I think, um, I think in particular with Oshin's pregnancy, it was we had I had suffered two losses before, so I thought perhaps that echo mm. was it for me. Um, and I was in the middle of shooting the documentary as well, which I think was just another layer. Not that you know, again, like that it's not for everyone, but that added a particular layer to my experience like you were saying it was just very hard for me to enjoy it um whereas with echoes one because I spontaneously felt I was very very fearful but um the excitement was just so much and it squashed everything I went prior to like the miss the miscarriage I had prior to do mm. to echo was like disappeared I didn't even think about it and then I had another one then another one and then fell pregnant with Oshin and then I was diagnosed with gestational diabetes and then there was issues and there was complications and mm. the fear just kept rising and rising and rising. And I really, really struggled. And yes, I really felt like I was jinxing it. And it was just so difficult for me to really address that, like really talk about that. And, um, mm. and I guess that's why, you know, the necessary evil of social media is that it's, it's a place of also great community. It's like, you know, as soon as I reached, as soon as I sort of opened that box, I didn't realize how many people would actually no. be so supportive and reach out and offer their help and also share their experiences. And that just opened up the floodgates to kind of this movement. I really sympathize with you and what you were feeling because I know like, oh, it's just horrible. It's horrible when you can't enjoy it and you want to enjoy it, but you're scared and you want to be happy, but you can't. Mm. And it's just, it's just so, there's so much to it. I also had gestational diabetes could you explain what that is to our listeners who haven't been through it? So gestational diabetes is pretty much exactly how it states. You become a diabetic mm. while you are pregnant um, and the raise in hormone levels. And mm. um, so it's actually got nothing to do with how you eat. Your body's predisposed to yeah diabetes because of the hormones and everything gets triggered. And essentially there's varying levels. There's, um, there's where you can control your sugars with your food alone. They might put you on one medication or the final step is you are on medication and mm. insulin and you are actually, you know, controlling your insulin levels. And it just, 
the the effects not only on the mother but on the baby can be quite with uncontrolled gestational diabetes are quite scary you know Mm -hmm. you're constantly under supervision um you're constantly monitored a lot of it's fear-based because you don't understand why this has happened to you um so yeah it's it's not a pleasant experience it was just for, for me it just hit me like a ton of bricks I was like I was so flawed when I got that diagnosis because I thought are you kidding me like mm. I just really like I just we just got to this stage and I was I think it was maybe the week of like I, I think you find out like in, in mm. the middle of your second trimester and I was just easing into the, the fact that, okay, I am pregnant. This baby's hanging around. And then I got that diagnosis and I was just, I mean, it really rock, rocked me. How can we incorporate men more throughout the pregnancy process so women don't feel so isolated through this journey? Again, I think it's just education and information. And that was part of the reason why I wanted mm-hmm. to do the film and share those experiences because, again, in hindsight now, reflecting on it, I look back at myself and I think, oh my gosh, just, I was such a highly wound up pregnant woman, completely freaked out. You know, like if I could go back and talk to myself and be mm. like, Hey, it's okay. you like, everything you're experiencing is something you're going through. But, you know, I think innately we, we all want to, we all want to strive to do our best. Right. So especially when it comes to having yeah. children and motherhood and, and, and you just, you think, okay, well, how can I do the best for my baby? And when things start to get out of your control, um, and, and I guess this was the thing, what I was going back to about sort of education and information is that learning to, um, analyze and be practical with your thoughts rather than coming from a place of complete fear and going into that mm-hmm. fear space, which, you know, is what I did. And, you know, I'm glad I have it all on film because it really is very clear where your mind can go and how you blame yourself and how you. And it's, I think, important for women to watch that and reflect on that and go, okay, well, you know, using myself as an example, maybe I won't react how Tahina did. <laughs> maybe I'll try and take a breather and yeah. try and control. So it's, I, I don't know if there's a clear-cut answer, but certainly being a little bit more aware of um, the ins and outs of the whole experience. And I, I don't think there's a magic button that you can say to take, you know, I'm going to alleviate the responsibility because I don't think it works like mm. that. But certainly I think if you can be a little bit more aware of everything and um, try and come at it from a place of like, okay, this is what I'm experiencing, you can certainly um, control it a little more. In the documentary, your husband was so raw and vulnerable with his feelings around the whole experience. Would you say it's the same case that we need to educate men as well as women to help support them through all the feelings and emotions around miscarriage and fertility? Absolutely. I mean, my husband didn't want to be part of the film. He didn't want to do it. He only saw the, yeah, he, I really wanted oh, really? to get him to talk about it um, until he saw the finished product. And then I think he kind of understood what I was trying to do because he was really scared. And I think for a lot mm-hmm. of um, couples out there, I think, I think the same thing. I think men also need to kind of understand because they might be grieving in a different way they might be trying to, again, come at it from like, well, how can I fix this? What are my solutions? How? And there is no quick fix. There is no yeah. solution because it's a process. So I think, again, mm. um, you know, and that, and that was a big part of me trying to show from the partner's perspective what they're experiencing. So we can all understand that there is going to be varying degrees. You might, you might not meet on the same level, but they're going to be processing something in a different way. I think then there, there certainly should be more support 
for, for men as well. But I'm, but I'm seeing that. I'm seeing men talk about it. I'm, I, you know, I think there was a, a fatherhood mm. blog or something that, you know, actually addressed the fact that like, oh, it's so, you know, female focused and, you know, the film's even titled Mum. And I was like, well, you know, it was just, the, you know, the film's titled Misunderstandings of Miscarriage. I do explore men's issues in it. So I do think men want to talk about it. They do have a voice about it, you know. The one thing that struck me in the documentary and rang true of my own pregnancy was how much responsibility women take for getting pregnant, then maintaining a healthy pregnancy and then bringing a healthy baby to term. How do you think we can change this mindset as a society? I think that's definitely something that needs to change. And again, you know, it's going to take it's going to take a, a couple of loud voices to sort of maybe say, hey, you know, include me, maybe men need to step up to the plate a little bit and sort of say, say to the medical professions, hey, can you include me on, on this journey as well? Because it's also my child. Teresa Palmer is part of your documentary, who I absolutely love. And she said she hopes to see a movement to being more open. What does this movement look like and how can we start to create this? Big fan of Teresa. Um, she's the best. Uh, but, yeah, I <laughs> love her. <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I am starting to see change. I am starting to see a shift. Um, but I think more can be done in terms of, you know, I, I'm seeing a lot of people talk about it a little bit more, but I think it goes beyond just sharing it on social media. I think starting to implement change with, you know, writing to your local government, you know, like I said, backing those charities who are going out and really fighting to, to help families and support them. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to share your experience on social media and like, well, I've done my part, now I back off. No, like I, I do think there's something bigger we can do. If you are, if you mm. are higher up in a company, Think about how you can support your team, how you can support your um, your workers in, in, in family planning. And if something was to go wrong, how can you as a CEO of a company say, you know what, I'm going to acknowledge the fact that this can be a really tricky time in your life. So I'm going to give you bereavement leave or, you know, something like that. So up to us to, yes, be loud and continue to talk about it. But one step further is actually implementing those changes. And if it can't just be you sort of petitioning by yourself, then support mm. those who are. You have gone on to have three beautiful children. Has your experience with miscarriage changed how you parent at all? I think the, the full story is, is that once I sort of had delivered the film and had closed that part of my, my life, I felt like I had processed it all in a, in a really positive way. Mm. Um, I, you know, I still have my days where I'm like, oh my gosh, I have three like little kids and they go crazy all the time. And like, it's just one of those things that I, parenting brings up a whole other level of um, feelings, but you know, I am very, very grateful for my children. They are, they are an absolute chaotic bunch, um, but I adore them. And like I was saying to you earlier, I'm just, it just floors me that, um, yeah, I have three now. And when I look back on the film, it just, you know, like mm. I, fought, I fought for them so bad. So on those days when there's a big tantrum going on and like you said, one's ripped nappies off and one's drawing on the walls and one's screaming over here. I'm like there was a time yeah. in my life. So, you know, I I certainly look at it as, yeah, I'm, I'm incredibly fortunate and I'm just thankful that like you were, you brought it up too, Clara, that they've sort of been the reason why I've done all of this. Um, 
and they they are the driving reason why yeah. I do everything in my life. But I it's will say, uh, I, I will say as well, you know, then that's a, another thing that I wanted to explore in the film: this idea of womanhood and motherhood being synonymous with one another. Mm. If you don't have children, it's not the end of the world. There's um, no. there's other ways that you can you can be fulfilled as a woman, and you can, you know, I, I, again, I don't think that for everyone, the final picture is going to be a, a baby in their arms. And it was really important for me to stress that because mm. it's not always going to be that way for everyone. And so I really wanted to show that there are situations where you can come out on top and you won't have a child, but you will come out on top and you will be okay. Um, and that is very important for me yeah. to, to stress. I think that's a beautiful note to end on. Tahina, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. We'll put links in our show notes to your amazing documentary this podcast please give us a five-star review and share it with someone who you think would benefit from it we want to help as many people as possible live healthier lives this podcast is general in nature we aren't doctors or health practitioners but if this podcast has prompted something for you we really encourage you to make an appointment with your health practitioner and get advice that is tailored to you this podcast is recorded on the land of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples.